y'all don't want to join me. True love has little to do with romanticism, but rather Christian love seeks and demands righteousness. I want everyone on this morning from the pulpit to the pew to learn, which means it's going to take some time, not just one sermon. To learn, you got to be dedicated to this thing. To learn, which means you got to be a student and take home some homework. To learn how to love. Now, some of us, when we hear 1 Corinthians chapter 13 read, we then automatically assume that this text speaks to married couples. But this text actually has little to do with matrimony and all to do with maturity. See, I already know there's somebody in here who really doesn't want to mature. But for those of us who want to mature, just say amen. Everyone who calls themselves a Christian needs to learn to love as Christ does. And the love of Christ tends to confuse and confound many because our humanistic teaching often does not match his heavenly tendency. Today, this morning, right now, even as it goes against our natural proclivity, let us now learn how to love one another as Christ has already loved us. Love this morning is the third part of the Christian construction process. First, we committed to building the building. Last week we spoke about pouring the right foundation and the right foundation of one's life, one's hopes, one's dreams, and one's goals is Christ Jesus. But after the foundation is poured, then the house, physically and spiritually, must then be framed. So today, this morning, let us erect and inspect our Christian framing. Last week we built upon Jesus, but in order to frame this house, we must embody and develop in everything who Christ is. Christ fundamentally and foundationally is love. Christ is love and love is Christ. Give me some script with that lip. I'm so glad you asked. First John chapter 4 verse number 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's the point, Jeremy? It's love that holds everything up and love that holds everything together. In construction, it is the framing that allows the floor plan to shape. And as we floor plan our lives and our Christian existence, we must plan with and by love. Therefore, love will formulate the very underpinning of our lives and spirituality. We find ourselves here contextually in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the midst of Paul's discourse concerning spiritual gifts as he extrapolates concerning the unity and diversity of the body of Christ. Paul here pauses to explain that love is the greatest of all spiritual gifts. And to love as God loves demands us to see as God sees. And that in and of itself is a spiritual gift. It's amazing that Paul reserved the topic of love to the latter part of the first Corinthian letter after all of the controversial subject matter that Paul has already addressed. He's already told them to stop sleeping with your father's wife. He's already dealt with selfish members who are hoarding the communion feast from the poor. He's already dealt with divisions in church leadership. He's already dealt with Christians suing Christians. He's already dealt with sexual immorality and the most prevalent homosexuality. And even amongst the heterosexuals, their libido was so high 
that he had to resign in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 by saying, fine, go get married, because it's better to marry than to burn. I wish I had a church in here. And after all of that, he now ends with the topic of love. Why, Jeremy, did he end with the topic of love? Because Paul realized that all of the aforementioned things can be dealt with when man learns how to love. This morning, I invite you to be challenged on how to love. Verse number one begins with, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels. The first two words already bring a preaching point. If I. What you're trying to say, Paul, no one person can do anything to supplant the necessity for love in their life. Not even me being Paul. Therefore, Paul begins this monologue with if I. Paul states, I will speak of myself in the first person. Because when it comes to spirituality and Christian love, I realize what we must all realize on this morning. And that is, we must be the first person. When it comes to making a change, we must be the first person. When it comes to forgiveness, we must be the first person. When it comes to being one day better, we must be the first person. If love is going to exist and maintain at Gray Road, we must be the first person. Remember this for love and for every other Christian characteristic that you, I, and we hope to ascertain. Come very closely. Write it down if you need to. Pull out a pen, a pencil. I don't even care if it's a piece of lipstick. Somebody needs to write this down. If wherever going to have the love that we need to have in this church, if we're ever going to gain any positive Christian characteristic, we must remember this. The change I want to see must be the change that begins in me. The change that I want to see must be the change that begins in me. I wish everybody would just grow up. How about you start by growing up? I wish everybody would love more. How about you start by loving more? You can look at me funny if you want to. I might have catch a plane anyway. Don't wait for others to love. You love. You forgive. You mature. You encourage, and if you can't encourage nobody else, start by encouraging yourself. I believe it was Donald Lawrence who said, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to speak victory during your test. And no matter how you feel, speak the word and you can be healed. It is here that Paul uses himself as a gauge. Corinthians you look to me as a spiritual compass and a mile marker. So therefore, I'll use even myself. Even I can't get away without loving my brother. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels. Notice Paul starts this classic litany of loveless acts. Just like the ingredient label of your favorite snack. He starts with what the Corinthians are most full of. Whenever you enjoy your favorite snack, whether it be chocolate milk or hot Cheetos or whatever you like, Grippos and all that other stuff, you want to know what's in it? You got to turn it to the back and look at the ingredient label. And whatever it starts with, that's what it's most full of. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Oh, if I were to turn you on your backside. What would your ingredient label tell me? 
that you're most full of. Well, Paul says, Corinthians, I'm going to teach you how to love. But you got some problems. Number one, you're too worried about talk. The first thing you're full of is talk and a lot of hot air. Paul starts with the greatest of Corinthian affections because in Corinth, they preferred the gift of speech. And they were infatuated by speech eloquence. But tongues, from a linguistic standpoint, means nothing without love. Why? Because the mouth can be dishonest. That's why James said, out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, this should not be. Love comes from the heart. Because if the heart is bad, the mouth will automatically be bad. How do you know that, preacher? Come here, Dr. Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse number 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up where? In his heart. For the what? Mouth speaketh what the heart is full of. Well, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, what am I? I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Why? Because love is not the language of the lips, but rather love is the language of the heart. But when Paul says a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, he is referencing the fact that when my mouth does not match my heart, then there is a lack of harmony and there's discord afoot. There's a discord between what I do and who I really am. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith. Notice there are four things mentioned here, meaning if I have any of these four or all of these four combined, it would still stand secondary to the fact that love serves as the activator of all spiritual gifts and all spiritual things. While four things are mentioned here, the first three are temporary in nature, and while faith will last forever in the realm of eternity, only love will last in this life and propel us to the next. You can be as good as you want to be, and as spiritual as you think you are. But if we lack love, we're just full of hot air, and talking a lot of noise because our mouth does not speak in accord with our spirit. Also notice the phraseology of a faith versus the faith. For all those who go to church and don't love. Because there's some folk who go to church and don't love. If you go to church and don't love, you might possess a faith. But the faith is not in you. If your love is only on your lips and it does not emanate from your being and reside in your character, then it's really not love at all. Well, Jeremy, I love everybody. Do you show it? Well, how do I show it? I'm so glad you asked. If I got a what? Faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Notice here, faith uh, comes from the word and we know Matthew 17 talks about moving mountains and the faith of a mustard seed. But faith here is pistis, truth-based faith. Meaning what? I can even have the truth and not have love. And if I have truth and not love, I'm still nothing. Verse 3. If I give all that I possess to the poor, give my body over to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I am nothing. What's the point? Love supersedes all of man's actions, but love also forgives all of man's transgressions, both from a humanistic and Christological perspective. Now, Paul switches from the prioritization of love to the presentation of love. Paul says this is what love looks like. It's not about purchasing flowers. 
but rather presenting faithfulness. The Corinthians were impatient, but love would remove that impatience. They were proud and arrogant and sinfully angry, but it'll take love to remove the stain of division. Everything, ooh, listen closely. Everything, I might miss that plane. Everything that's wrong with us individually, interpersonally, and congregationally can be removed and rectified with love. If you get nothing else, get that, because I'm going to say it again. Everything that's wrong with us, individually, interpersonally, and congregationally, can be removed and rectified with love. Love's like bounty. It's the quicker picker-upper. Love's like shout. It gets the stains out. It's like scrubbing bubbles. It works hard so you don't have to. It's like comet. Let's go old school. We used to use the powder. It's like comet. It cleans and disinfects tough stains. Love is like Ajax because it's stronger than dirt. It's like Formula 409. It powers through tough messes. It's like Clorox. It brings forth a cleaner world and gives us better lives. Tamika's saying, if you know all those cleaners, why don't you clean some at the house? <laughs> well, I'm just here to tell you that when it comes to love, somebody ought to learn how to do it. Well, verse number four, what is love? Love is patient. You can't rush through. I know you want to rush through that. But you got to know what type of love you're talking about. We're not talking about phileo love, the love of a brother. We're not talking about eros love, the love of eroticism. We're talking about agape love, unconditional love, godly love. I love you even when you don't love me. That's what we're talking about. And if you can understand the love that God has bestowed upon us, then you understand the disposition that we ought to have toward one another. Agape love grows out of a sincere and fervent devotion to God. Meaning, I love you because I love God. There's somebody here this morning who says, Jeremy, I'm in a loveless marriage. Why do I have to love my spouse anymore? Understand, it's not you loving your spouse because of romance. Because one day, the thrill might be gone. But somebody needs to learn. I love my spouse because I love God. Somebody's saying, well, Jeremy, I'm so tired of wicked and evil people. Why should I love my enemies? You should go to your enemy tomorrow and say, honey, I love you. Not because I like you, but I love you because I love God. There's somebody, if you are real with yourself, you don't want to talk to somebody even in this auditorium. You don't want to work with them on a committee. You go the other way when they come your way. You ain't shook their head in 25 years. You move your seat so you won't see their face. You better get that stuff together and learn how to love somebody. And if you can't love me for no other reason, you ought to love me because you love God. That's what I got pay love is. It's time for somebody to learn how to love. And once we understand what I got pay love is, we understand that love is what? Patient. Oh, I'm so glad I serve a patient God. Patient means to be of long spirit, to not lose heart, to persevere, to be mild and slow in vengeance. Patience, the actual Greek term, speaks of having the capacity to be wronged and then not retaliate. The Corinthian church had a whole lot of folk who've been wronged. Lawsuits. They want to sue each other. The poor were wrong at the communal tables. Folk were desecrating the communion feasts. Yes, one must show kindness and goodness. But if we don't extend patience, 
There'll be no one to be kind and good to. Allow people time to develop. Why? Because somebody allowed you time to develop. And if you can't think about anyone else, just think about how patient God has been with you. The other day, my children were running around the house just like they run around the church. And when we got married, we had these special vases at our wedding. And Tamika loves these vases. Eight years, those vases ain't been touched. Tamika's at work, home with the boys. He breaks the vase. Oh, I'm hot now. And I am in daddy mode. And I said, I wish you would just listen when I speak to you. I done told you time and time, don't run behind that couch. I wish you would listen when I speak to you. And at that moment, God revealed. That's the same thing I say to you. I wish you would just listen when I speak to you. Jeremy, why didn't you beat them? Because I whooped in my house. Hello? Spare the rod? We got a whole lot of spoiled children, but that's another subject for another time. Why didn't I beat them? Because God didn't beat me. But I learned to be patient. God didn't beat me, but he waited on me. He was kind to me. He was good to me, even in my insolence, because patience is love personified. Patient love can endure evil, injury, and provocation without being filled with resentment, indignation, or revenge. What else is love, Jeremy? Love is kind. That means showing one's goodness. It's goodness or good works as an activity. When you were sick and somebody sent you a card, that was an act of kindness. When you were lonely and somebody showed up, that was an act of kindness. Love is patient. Love is kind. It gives me what I need when I need it. It shows me something instead of just telling me something. Ooh, if you are a married man, you've probably heard the word. Don't just tell me. And the wife will ask, Tyrone, don't you love me? And he'll say, of course I love you. I tell you every day. What would make you think I don't love you? They got a little too personal right there. Say amen. You can't. What would make you think I don't love you? Well, I just want to see it. Love. Kind. Oh, can I, can I do some more? Ooh, I'm going to miss that place. They got more planes. It does not envy. Can I park here for a little while? It, it, it does not envy. Now, there was, there, there was jealousy in Corinth. They had divisions. They were jealous over spiritual gifts. There's some jealousy. In the house. Why are you doing spring cleaning? It's still winter. Because if you take broken people into a new building, you'll still have a broken church. It doesn't. 
stop hating on other people. Especially when you call me your brother. It's bad enough you do it at Thanksgiving with your regular family. At least let this be a little different. not jealous. And we should not be jealous when those who you supposedly love do well or receive the finer things in life. I say supposedly love because if you don't want me to do better for myself, then you don't love me at all. If you don't want me to get a promotion, then you don't love me at all. If you don't want me to make more money, then you don't love me at all. If you don't want me to have successful children, then you don't really love me at all. If you don't want me to go back to school and better myself, then you really don't love me at all. If you don't want me to have a happy marriage, then you really don't love me at all. Oh, it's time to stop the hateration. I'm happy when things go well for you. Because I love you. Stephanie, you want to go back to school? I'm happy for you. Because I love you. Lasha, you want to do the fire academy? I'm happy for you. Because I love you. Chanel, your health is doing better? I'm happy for you. Because I love you. Carl, you got a new job? I'm happy for you, because I love you. And you got a Mercedes Benz I can't fit in? I'm happy for you, because I love you. At least my cars I can fit in from now on so I can drive it around. Say amen when you can. He done bought that C-class. I can't get in that E-class. I can't get in that thing. But when I get my S-class, you be happy for me, because you love me. Now that one in my nose, but it felt good right there. <laughs> it's time we stop this. I can't have a happy marriage because you're lonely. But then, you claim you love me. And every time I walk around, you're talking bad about my husband and my wife. Ooh, this is further on my nose. I'm going to bring it up right here. Most people only display. In fact, the only thing you can display was actually within you. And those who lack security want to take your security. Don't be jealous. If you love me, you'll celebrate and congratulate me. Or to use a more youthful vernacular, don't hate, appreciate. Don't be mad at folk for doing better. You do better. You want what they have? Get it. They didn't stop making it when they got it. You want a nice suit? Go to the suit store. Wasn't the last one they ever made. You want a Mercedes? Go to the dealership. If you got decent credit, go to the dealership. I ain't gonna call nobody out. Somebody told me this, just this morning, uh, car salesmen are, are demons or devils. I said, well, only if you don't have angelic credit. Say amen when you can. <laughs> no, 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 no. They didn't stop making it when your neighbor got it. If you want it, go get it. Pray for them. Celebrate with them. Ask them how they got it. Pray for it if you want it. And if it be the Lord's will, you might have it one day. Love. It's not envious. Guess what? It does not boast. And you won't have to hate those you love. Because those who love you should not have the propensity to brag. Well, they always hating on me at Gray Road. You always bragging at Gray Road. 
Stop broadcasting everything you do and get like that. I'm not talking about information. I'm talking about constant reflection. You know somebody tell you every time they come see you, everything they got? Well, you know in Westchester, where we live, out in Westchester, they do Westchester type of things. Every time I talk to you, we ain't got to talk about Westchester. I know where you live. Well, you know, I had to get my Mercedes and my Lexus service, so I had to go to the Lexus dealership. Then I saw a Lexus salesman. We all know what you drive. Well, I'm Dr. So-and-so because I went to this school and so-and-so, and this was my dissertation topic. We all know you educated. Hello? Don't be jealous of folk. Other side, don't be ashamed to have nothing. But you didn't get it for them, you got it for you. I didn't get it for you. So why gonna tell you about it? Hello? Told somebody, well, somebody said, well, they should call you Dr. Flowers. Said, why? What's my name? Jeremy. I don't mind if you don't call me Dr. Flowers. As long as you pay me like Dr. Flowers, I'll be just fine. I'll be just, okay, now whatever. Bad preacher, bad preacher. You don't have to boast. And don't try to look at me funny. All y'all want to get paid for your degrees too. Say amen when you can't. That's why you march in your boss's office when you get that master's degree and say, oh, all right now, don't y'all look at me. Hello? Sally May ain't playing. Now, you don't have to brag. Love's not braggadocious. And see, 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 some of us have a me problem. Let me remind us as we begin to land the plane that none of us have it all together. And the little we have together was only after Christ got us together. We all have a sin problem. They may differ in us, but if not checked, they will damn us all the same. It's time some people start saying, me too. There was something on Facebook with a preacher who was telling everybody, me too. And you know what? I believe the church would get a lot stronger if we took a me too personality. Stop acting like you ain't never been through nothing, ain't never done nothing, Ain't never been in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong person doing the wrong thing. Hello? Let me get in a little trouble since I'm leaving anyway. Uh, just because the name changes, it's the same thing. You got an issue with weed, but when it was Mary Jane, You got an issue with the club, but when it was the juke joint, hello? Oh, I wish the church would be more vulnerable, more transparent. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to get the next one. Uh, love is not proud, it's not arrogant. It's time for somebody to be real and say me too. I ain't never been to a hospital full of well folk a day in my life. But they will come in and say the church is a hospital. Everybody act like they ain't never been sick. And the only reason you stay in the hospital, especially today's day and age, is if you're still sick. Not just if you've been sick, but if you're still sick. Oh, can I tell you something? I'm still sick. And you still sick. It might have been five years ago, but honey, you still sick. Stuff don't go away. I had a problem with sexual morality. Me too. I drank a few minutes one time. Me too. I've been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Me too. Hello, somebody. I gambled and shot dice. Me too. I used to gamble all night, even last night. Me too. 
I can't afford my ties because I bought 200 Powerball tickets and didn't win. Me too. And nothing wrong with a me too as long as you acknowledge that it's God. It's God. It's God who brought me out. It's not because I'm a stronger Christian than you. It's not because I have more education than you. It's not because I make more money than you. It's all because of God. Never give yourself to glory. Never give yourself to glory. Never give yourself to glory. Because the only reason you can lift up your head, literally, figuratively, and anatomically, the only reason you can lift up your head is because God has served as your neck. You, I, and we continue to act as if we're the best thing since sliced bread it's because you lack love. Think you're the smartest or the richest person? It's because you lack love. Christ had all the reason to be arrogant, for he was a son of man, made a little bit lower than the angels, Hebrews 2 and 6. But even when people tried to proclaim his royalty, he told them to be quiet. Mark chapter 5. He never wore a crown, though he was a king until it was a crown of thorns. He never led a parade unless it was on a donkey. He never wielded power unless it was given to him. Matthew chapter 28, all power in heaven on earth has been given unto me. Now, if the Savior of the world was humble, what gives you the right to be haughty? What else is love? Love is not proud. It's not arrogant. We serve a real God. Therefore, it's time for us to be real people. Someone told me just last night, I've grown more in the last few years than I have in my whole life. You know why you grew? Because you finally got real with yourself. It does not dishonor others, which means what? It behaves itself, especially as it pertains to the aforementioned. It's not self-seeking. Meaning what? It's not about me. How much we love ourselves is really gauged in how much we love others. Christian love cannot be selfish. It does not anger easily. Ooh, can I park here? I promise you I'm almost done. Love does not anger without reason. And even then, it's slow to anger. It waits for the facts. Okay, let's, let's do some more introspection. You ever got hot with somebody? Went off on somebody? Cussed somebody out? Read them they rights? And not they Miranda rights? Only to find out later that you didn't have all the information? Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Woo, it's getting good right here. Love of Christianity gets all the facts. And even when I have all the facts, and it shows me that you fake, my love controls how I react. Because see, mm, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's still in the Bible. Anger in itself, talk about that Friday night, the principles of manhood. Anger in itself is not a sin. But it takes love to dictate how we react when we're angry. Anger, the emotion, is natural. Revenge, the action, is demonic. And not only is revenge dynamic, but grudge holding is satanic. Because if some folk think they're better than other folk, because they don't go off. You're just as bad as you held it in. Well, I ain't cussed him out. But you still held on to it for 20 years. You done forgot what you thought about. Ooh. 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 Okay, okay, okay. We're going to have ministry signing, right? Taste of Grey Road. Everybody. Memphis, everybody. We'll have a chance. Sign a name. Do you know 
there will be some folk who before they sign their name, they want to know who else's name. That, that wasn't in my notes, but it sure felt good right there. I, 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 I want to help make baskets for the veterans. Uh, who else is on that thing? You know why you want to know who else is on it? Because you had a grudge problem. Had you went to your neighbor and your neighbor old and say, brother, you treated me wrong and you fight old, you would have had that problem. You say, yeah, me and Tyrone had some people. We dealt with that in a godly way. Can you work with anybody at any time on anything? You what should be the mission of Christ? I ain't making no peach cobbler, because this is Sparks making peach cobbler. And Vengeance, vengeance is satanic or demonic. Grudge holding is demonic. But then gossiping. Some of y'all, some of us, some of us talk so good, that's why Sister Nat Bell going out of business. You know why gossip is a problem? Because gossiping is merely spreading hate to those who might would love, so that the lovers will become loveless. And when the love is gone, all you have is a church full of haters. Because we don't learn how to love. In the words of Dr. Ron Wright, when you got a church full of haters, then the haters become hellions. I don't like that word, well, let's define it. It means a troublemaking person, Dr. Edmondson. You talked about that this morning. And those who hold this, and those who gossip in the church, they make a whole lot of trouble. Now that you're already mad at me, let me do the last thing. Love, it also keeps no what? Record of wrong. Not it don't get wrong. Well, I loved him and it didn't work out because he did me wrong. Love gets wronged. It keeps no record. <clears throat> it buries the hatchet. Not like we do. We bury the hatchet with the handle sticking up. <laughs> buries the hatchet. Because next time I see you, you don't treat me as what I've done. Oh, that's hard, but that's holy because doesn't Christ treat us? As if we didn't do what we already know we done. That's bad English, but it preach right there. And then love does not delight in evil. Which, which means I always see the good in people. I speak to the good. Well, don't you know Greg ain't about nothing? I love my brother. And love doesn't delight in evil. All I can talk about is the positive things. You don't see it with your own two eyes? As a Christian, I've learned to stop looking with my own two eyes. I've learned to look with the heart. He's a scoundrel, but he's saved. Hello? He done some bad things, but he's a good person. How can you talk like that? Because I've learned how to love. How can you love your husband or wife after all they've done to you? How can you deal with that brother or sister after all they, they stabbed you in the back and they stabbed you and they twisted? Because I've learned how to love and love does not keep a record of wrongs. I can't go back in the file and find out what Keely did to me three years ago because if I can, then there's something wrong with the framework of my love. How can you be so patient? If I've learned how to love. How can you be so kind? They were just talking about you in the back. 
Because I, first of all, I learned that in preaching. Everybody talk about you. Say amen when you can. Some of y'all going to talk about me in the car. And guess what? I don't care no how. I think I still work here, right? I got paid last Friday. I don't care what you got. Okay, no, 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 no. Because I learned how to love. And when you learn how to love, then hate don't weigh you down no more. Fake people don't weigh you down no more. Ignorance and stupidity don't weigh you down no more. Folk talking about you, it's all right, I love them. Well, ain't you mad? Ain't you ready to leave Gray Road? For what? Whatever, I got here, I'm going to get over there. Can I say something to the church hopper? Churches, it's the same game, just a different stadium. I'm not here for y'all, and I hope you ain't here for me. Here for the Lord. Because I've learned how to love, and I love him because he loves me. Oh, and I'm so glad he loves me. Because just like Paul said, everything Paul told us to do, Christ has already done. I come to church every Sunday. I'm faithful in my attendance, my participation, my tithes and offerings. Not because I love the church and because I love y'all. I, I love the Lord. And I love the Lord because he loves me. He's been patient to me. He's been kind to me. He's been long-suffering to me. Ooh, I wish I had somebody. He ain't kept no records of wrong when it came to me. Uh, he ain't been selfish when it came to me. Last time I... So that I can live. Let's be standing and not singing. Let's be standing and not singing. Woo, I'm going to be flying. Let's be standing and not singing. We got time for this. We got time for this. It's time for us to get ourselves right, and I'll be here till we get ourselves right. I got to catch a greyhound before a lot of days. Now, I ain't serious about that one. They say amen when you can. <laughs> it's been a long time since I was 18 years old. Now! But it's time for somebody to get themselves right. Because in learning how to love, we then have to reflect how much we hate. Some of us are full of hate, discord, malfeasance. We need to get ourselves right before we leave this place. It makes no sense to live in hell and then die and go to hell. If you are a child of God and you have not personified love, walk down these aisles and get your life right, even on today. You are a child of God and you're not content with what you have, therefore you're jealous of what everyone else has. Walk down these aisles and give your life back to the Lord. If you are a child of God and you have not been patient with somebody, you go off all the time. You can't control your temper. can't control your mouth. And because you can't control yourself, everybody know what buttons to push. Come and get your life right with the Lord on today. If you are a child of God, deal with us first. If you are a child of God and you have not been to others what Christ has been, to you. If you are a child of God, you got a gossiping problem. You're too stuck up. I want to say that better, but that's how it should have came out. You're too stuck up. You're braggadocious. Get yourself right. Get your, you, I don't want to face the Lord whenever he shall come and say, I heard that lesson, but I didn't change my life. This is a difference between life and death. If you're not a child of God, not a baptized believer, and you need to make Christ your personal Savior on this morning, you can come this morning. We'll baptize you this morning into Christ. This morning, you'll become a new creature. This morning, you'll become a child of God. This morning, you'll be cleansed. You must first hear the word of God. You've heard me. I'm loud enough. Believe that he is. There's a water of those who diligently seek him. Repent of your sins. 
Confess that he is. Be baptized. Baptism does save. What does it save me from? It saves you from your old man, regardless of how old your man is and where your man has been. Amen. Baptism, wash it all away. Then what will I be? You'll be a new creature. But guess what? You can't be saved as an old creature. So will you come to Christ today? You need baptism? Will you come? Want to make a change? Will you come? Perhaps you're looking for a church home. Let this be your church home. Let this leadership serve as your leadership. Let me serve as your preacher. Need to be rooted and grounded somewhere so you can learn of God on this morning. Looking for a church home where you come. Looking for a new start where you come. You're a child of God and you haven't been who you need to be where you come right now as we sing the song of invitation. Let the children of God say amen again. All praises, honor, and glory go to God the Father, to his Son, Jesus the Christ, the head of the living church. And lastly, to the Holy Spirit who continually comforts us all. How blessed are we on this morning to be in this place to serve the one who has brought us by grace into truth. The one who allows us to have a future that prayerfully will escape our past. And the one who loves us with an unconditional love, meaning he sees within us what we don't have the audacity to see in ourselves. What a mighty, mighty God we serve. Tina Turner asks the question, what's love got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? I'm so glad that when it comes to God, he does not treat love as an emotion, but rather love as an activity, an activity as such that when we were dying in our sins, Romans chapter 5, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died the activity for the ungodly. Emotions are fleeting. They come and they go. They depend on the weather. Or whether you treat me well. But when it comes to the activity of love, God has perfected it ever so much. To where even when we don't love him, he still loves us. And that ought to get somebody excited up in here, up in here. We're thankful to the brethren who led us in our devotional service on this morning. Uh, particularly thankful to when friends show up unannounced. Say amen when you can. The person of Brother Melvin Shannon, we're, we're thankful he decided to show up and get put to work so he can show out. Uh, all for the glory of God. Melvin is from the Washington, D.C. area. We had a chance to assimilate last year when I was up that way. Uh, him and his wife from the Suitland Road Church there in Maryland, actually. Uh, we're thankful for both of them being here. If I'm not mistaken, your wife has family in Dayton, correct? Which means you can roll through here a little bit more often. Say amen when you can. Uh, you can come announce or unannounce, uh, but we're thankful for your giftedness and blessing our service on today. Thankful Brother Jaden Irby is here. Uh, Jaden was baptized on Friday night during the Principles of Man. And go and stand as we can see you, Brother Irby. Thank you. Good to see him here on this morning as well. Uh, we want to recognize that Desiree Wright has had her baby girl, so we're praying for her recovery, and we're praying for the young lady, she had a baby girl, uh, as she continues to progress. Uh, we want to remember Sister Rosalind Ashley, who's been hospitalized this week, and Brother John Ebron, and others who perchance have had to endure uh, medical affliction. We want to keep them in our prayers. We're thankful to the Gray Road family who showed up in mass number uh, to the Jewish hospital on Friday uh, to show our community that we are concerned about the cause of Christ, but we're also concerned about the cause of civil rights, fairness, and equality, because Christ cared about fairness for all people, and so do we. Pray for me immediately, immediately after I get done today, I'll be headed to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, for the minister's conference, I'll be presenting tomorrow night on the topic of remembering the words of Christ. 
So I won't be around to shake hands, unfortunately. I'll be preaching, and then I'll be leaving. Say amen. So, so pray for my travel there and my travel back on this week. Meet me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to thank little Darren for reading that. Uh, for contextual sake, I want to begin in the first verse of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1. When you find yourself there, let us be standing for the holy, inerrant, and infallible word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, beginning there at the first verse. Paul, as he is here betwixt, between the dialogue of spiritual gifts, records these very words. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul, what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, for it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rather rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. If you have some time on this morning, I want to speak from the thought, learning to love. Learning to love. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Dearly, kind, and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for another opportunity to be your children and to serve you as God, our Father. Father, this time, be with everyone under the sound of my voice, Father. Open their minds, their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and yes, even their ears, to hear a word coming straight from you via your manservant. Father, be with your manservant, Father, as I am a sinner. Father, put me and put everyone in this audience on the potter's wheel. Father, make us, mold us, and shape us into what you want us to be. Not for our glory, but for your glory. Father, this time, I ask that you allow me as an earthen vessel, Father, to be used in such a great and glorious way. Father, forgive us all of our sins so we can take your word in its purest form with the simplest Father, this time I pray that you'll speak to me so in turn you can speak through me. Father, bless the word. Father, bless your servant. Father, bless us all as your children. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Learning to love. This morning... I want us to begin thinking under the subject matter of learning to love. For many of us, regardless of our station in life, we have learned how to lust, but we have not learned how to love. Oh, that should have got some more amens than that. We have learned how to lust, but we have not learned how to love. Lusting is easy, as lust is an activity of the eye. But learning how to love can be quite difficult, as love is not merely an admiration of the eye, 
but rather an activity of the heart. What makes love most difficult is that in true love, Christian love, and godly love, the heart must perceive even what the eye doesn't see. Somebody missed a shot. In the love I'm talking about, Christian love, the heart must perceive even what the eye doesn't see. When I see you treating me wrong, the heart of a Christian begs me to love. When I see that you are fake, the heart of a Christian tells me to treat you with a genuine nature. When I see the callousness of your nature, the heart of a Christian says to still extend to you compassion. Oh, if I had some time since half 